0: Good evening, good evening, my name is Michael and I'm one of the pastors here, it is an absolute privilege to be preaching this evening, I love preaching at Century City 5pm, amazing congregation, you guys are a good looking bunch of people just so that you know, much better than a table view, something different in the water, here. joking, joking, joking. But we are kicking off a new series and it's called We the Church. And basically we're going to be looking at God's design for the local church and actually the power and the potential of it. And so tonight is just going to be the the start of a conversation. And I hope that uh, at the very least it will provoke some thought, but uh, more than that, it will lead to some change. But why don't we pray and then we'll get into it. So Jesus, we just thank you for your presence here. We thank You that You call us Your bride, that You have chosen each and every person here tonight, Lord, for a time and place such as this, but that we are Your church, that we are a city on a hill, we are a beacon of hope and light to a world in desperate need of Your healing, of Your goodness and Your grace, and so I pray that You will knit us together as a community, that Your presence will be made known here, and that You will get all the glory in and through our lives in each and every moment. We pray this in Your mighty name, amen and amen. But I'm going to ask a question is, what first comes to mind when I say the word church? And you don't need to shout out loud, but maybe what's the first type of thought or or picture that you get when you think about the church? So for me, like I mentioned earlier, I've grown up in the church for almost 18 years. Um, I was first invited to church by two friends. Why? Because they got a free fizz pop if they brought me to church. So Christian bribery works, people. It really does. And, uh, and then uh, after leaving that church, after 10 years, got invited to another church my, uh, by a different mate, and he just basically wanted me for my talents and for my good looks and to be on band with him. That's all there was. And it was a small church. There was 80 people in the church, and the average age was 80 as well. But it was incredible, just filled with God's presence and community. And then eventually I got invited to Life Changes, having walked away from God for a number of years. And the selling point that he gave to me again was, there are tons of young adults And there are goals. So Christian Bribery worked again, and I came to Life Changes. And it's not a great selling point, but it's what got me into the building. And so I don't know what maybe comes to mind when you think of church. Maybe it's the worship. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's just the community and your friends that you get to see on a Sunday. Or maybe there's something much more special to that. But I want us to maybe do a little bit of an activity. I'm going to ask this side of the room. Will you just stand to your feet quickly? This side, down the middle, stand to your feet. And will you turn to this beautiful bunch of people right here? And what do you observe? Again, don't shout it out because we don't want that. But what do you observe? Maybe it could be a haircut or something like that. What do you observe? Okay, you may sit down. You did great. Well done, well done. This side, will you guys stand up? Do the same thing. Have a good look. Maybe you notice someone you've never seen before. Maybe it's the group dynamic, whatever it may be. Think about what you observe. Okay, you guys may sit down as well. There we go, well done. Give yourselves a round of applause. You did so well. You obeyed basic instructions, great. But something that I observe is that you are all seated in rows. And uh, I think if you go to 99% of Western churches, that's going to be the case. And uh, you'll be seated in rows, you come on a Sunday, you listen to a lecture for hopefully only 30 minutes, and then we maybe do a little bit of worship and we go home. But when we look at the picture of the early church in Acts, is that isn't the picture that we see. As rows weren't actually common, they would gather together in people's homes, in the temple courts, and they did life with one another. And so we get to see this beautiful picture that God presents to his people of the local church. And we're going to be looking at Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. But it's a picture, it's not a prescription of what the local church looks like. It's a description of the potential and the power of the local church. Because in Acts 2, actually, we see this group of believers who had encountered Jesus Christ, who had been filled with the Holy Spirit. There were tongues of fire on the, on the apostles. And then they preached the gospel. And thousands upon thousands are saved. But then God presents something about what the community, what the local church, this foundation of God could look like to a world in desperate need of it. But this is often not the view that we have of the church. I think so much we have preached and to our detriment that church is like a a pit stop, a fuel pit stop. That you come here on a Sunday and you just get a little bit of fuel so that you can go out into the week and maybe top you up so that you can feel like you can get to the next Sunday and then you come again and you just get a little bit more. I think that's a poor picture of the local church. Because that presents that we just come to receive something and it depends on a person in the front and a person's gift rather than the community and fellowship which God designs and so I want to present a different picture of the local church tonight but an amazing theologian Mark Sayers says this much of the Western Church is operating on the kinetic forward motion of previous moves of God lounging on a platform built by the service and ministry of past and passing generations however the fuel tank is approaching empty previous generations worshiping and praising God and praying together are not going to sustain us church As God is wanting to get into our lives and he is wanting to show us a greater picture of what the local church can be. Not just for ourselves, not that just we can receive something on a Sunday, but so that we can go out and we can show a world in desperate need of it the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that begins with the local church. And so I'm gonna ask you, will you turn to your Bibles in Acts 2 verse 42? If you don't have a Bible, don't stress, it will be up on the screen behind me. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We'll be uh, working through this passage of Scripture in the next couple of weeks, but two things that I notice off the bat. Firstly, they met together in the temple courts. And that's basically like a Sunday. We come together and we hear the preaching of the word and we worship together and we praise God's name and then he makes us a people unto himself. But it doesn't just stay there. So they met together in the temple courts and then they broke bread together in people's homes. And they did life with one another and they prayed for one another and they supported one another and they sold all their possessions to give to someone in need. And so it's a different picture of what the local church can be. And so they gathered together at the temple, but they also gathered together in homes. And so this is a picture of the potential of the local church. They devoted themselves. And so it doesn't mean that you just come to church on a Sunday and receive a top-up. Actually, you devote yourselves to something greater, and that is his bride and his local church. And that word devote in a Western uh, society, we think of devotion as a one-time thing. We devote ourselves to a membership or we devote ourselves to make an oath to someone or we devote ourselves through a promise and it's a one-time thing. But that's not how the Bible sees it. The word devote is actually meaning a continuous attention to, a striving towards and a commitment to do this with intense effort constantly. It's not a one-time devotion. Actually, when they said they devoted themselves, it's a daily activity of choosing to gather together, choosing to fellowship, choosing to be with one another, even though you may have different races and different demographics and different ages in the same room, that is the power and the potential of the local church. And it starts with us, though, choosing to devote ourselves. The reality is that I cannot devote you. Brett cannot devote you. Gabe cannot devote you. No one else can devote you. You have to choose to devote yourself. And it starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they got saved, and they were baptized, and then they chose to fellowship together. Why? Because it was a sign and a wonder to a world in desperate need of it. And so we need to know that this is God's design for the local church. It's not an option. It's not a modern-day picture. It's not just an optional extra that we get to buy into. No, this is God's design. You are His people. He created you, but you are created for a plan and a purpose, and that is to glorify Him. And we can do that on a Sunday, but we're supposed to go out and be believers of Jesus Christ and show people how good He is. But unfortunately, there's this weird phenomenon now where we say, okay, I'm gonna be a believer of Jesus Christ, I'm just not gonna be involved in church. And it's me and my personal Jesus, and I've been hurt by the church, I've been let down by the church, so I'm just gonna do life with him. But that's not God's design. That's not what God intended, that's not what his word says, and there is more for us as believers when we are together in community. And so my first point tonight, very simple, the danger of me. And so we can be a believer, but we don't need to be in church. And so Mark says says this as well, we are drowning in freedoms, but thirsting for meaning. See, the temptation and the uh, intent of the enemy will always be to isolate you. And so if you think of a a bed of coals, together the bed of coals is uh, warm and it provides heat, and it's piping hot. But if you remove one of those coals to the outside, That coal is eventually going to die and its light is going to become dim. But inside with the other coals, it has a great opportunity to shine bright and to produce warmth and heat to anyone in need of it. See, we are better together, church. And this is my story. I grew up in the church, like I said. I was saved at the age of 12 and I was invited by two mates and I encountered God and I encountered community and fellowship. But as I did time in the church, as I served more and poured out more and, and I did time, I got hurt more because I want to tell you, you've got to get hurt in church because it involves people, it involves us, and we are messy and we are broken, but there's also beauty in it that he knits different people together. But my heart wasn't one where I wanted to give to the church, where I wanted to uh, glorify God in each and everything I did, and so what did I do? I actually, I got offended. And so I slowly and surely retracted from that church, and I thought, well, the problem must rest with them. What they were preaching on a Sunday just didn't match up to what I saw in community and what I saw with my fellow fellow friends and how people were doing life, and there was gossip, and there were all these things, and I couldn't reconcile, hey, we're preaching this thing, but this is how it looks uh, during the week. And so I just removed myself from it. And then I went to another church and said, no, this church is surely going to be better. They really love Jesus. And there's going to be none of the problems in that other church. Well, what happened is actually I just repeated the same cycle. In my second week, I started serving a game. I was on band. I was on uh, kids' church. And then I started a youth group with one of my mates. And it grew. And then, again, that rest my heart is, wow, they let me down. What I thought they were like actually isn't in reality. Oh, well, I got offended. And then what did I do? I just left the church. But then instead of just leaving the church and being a believer of Jesus Christ, I actually started to drift away entirely from God and his plan and his purpose for my life. Because I promise you, if you are cold by yourself, outside of the bed and the warmth and the heat of the other coals, you will go to death and destruction and will become dim. That's not who he's called you to be. There's faith with other fellow believers. There's people who t- to support you and pray with you and show you the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And then my mate invited me to Life Changes, and like I said, he told me those two things. There's young adults and there's girls. And he called me five times, and he would not uh, stop until I came to church. And then I came here broken in a place of not wanting anything to do with the local church, but it was in community that I found healing. And I'll never forget that in my first month I was offended already is that I I told someone that I suffered from depression and they said, no, you're not depressed. That's an excuse. And they just walked off. I'm like, oh, that's a great welcome. (laughs) But that same person who said that to me invited me into their home and they sat with me and her and her husband loved me And they supported me and they got me involved in their kids' lives and in just doing life together. And I experienced healing in that area with that same person who offended me, with that same person who I thought actually wasn't for me. It was the local church that actually brought healing and restoration and the same is on offer for each and every one of us. Why do we believe in life groups? Why do we believe in serving? Why? Because actually there's healing and there's growth in those areas. And we get to be shaped and sharpened by other people in our lives, speaking into our lives, challenging areas which are in desperate need of challenge and showing us the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ and reminding us of his purpose and his plan for our lives. And there's this amazing pastor called Steve Deneff. And he says that he says this: people who leave the church fall into two different categories. Either the first category, our, expect, uh, our expectations of the church are not met and we are hurt by church, and a, a leader may disappoint us, or someone may be gossiped, or whatever it could be, our expectations of the church just were not met. Maybe we didn't like the worship style, or they didn't greet us at the front door, or the barista actually made our coffee too hot for the third time in a row and spelt our name incorrectly. How dare they? I know, people. Well, eh? oh. But actually, is that those expectations are maybe misplaced. But the second group of people that he says that leave the church are these, is that our expectations do not meet the purpose of the church. And so the purpose of the church, isn't that just that believers come together and worship and pray and look like one another? No, that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to glorify Jesus Christ and to be more like him. And so when we got the purpose right, when we actually have Jesus at the center, all the other things will come. There will be healing. There will be restoration. There will be honesty and vulnerability and all those good things. But it starts with Jesus at the center. See, the local church in Acts was birthed out of a revelation and encountering of Jesus Christ and his power and his spirit. And he is wanting to pour out his power and his spirit here tonight as well. But it has to start with Jesus at the center. And so there's these two different pictures of community, and I'm gonna ask you to put that slide up on the screen. While the first is bound community, and you're gonna see a circle. And so it's a group of believers who come into the church and who have things in common with one another. Maybe we believe uh, that the word needs to be preached on a Sunday and that it needs to be based on the Bible. Maybe we believe that we need to worship our God and that we are Holy Spirit led. Maybe we believe that we need to gather together and pray together. And we start gathering together in community over a shared belief of what the local church should be. But I think that's actually also a little bit of a flawed picture of what the local church should be. Because if we're not careful and we just gather together after what needs are met in other people and how we identify with others, very quickly smaller circles are gonna start forming in that large circle. Because we're gathering together over a few things rather than Jesus Christ at the center. And so if we go to the next slide, this is what I wanna call a centered community. It is relationship with the center. And if we're all in relationship with the center, we are going to get closer together. And there will be diversity in our midst. Why? There will be black people and Asian people and Indian people and old people and young people and people from different demographics and backgrounds, those who went to public school and private school, those who come from different nations. There will be a whole bunch of different people. Why? Because we're all involved in the center, which is Jesus Christ. And so he is wanting to make us a people for himself and form us and shape us and pour out his glory and presence in our midst, but it starts with him. And so church, will we be a a people who are a centered community, not just a bound community? Will we gather together and edify one another and be involved in each other's lives? Why? Because it glorifies Jesus Christ. To pray for one another one another to show one another love and grace and truth why because it glorifies jesus christ and so that it, he wants to get all the glory in our lives because it is all about him and i'm not trying to minimize church hurt. and i know leaders have failed and i myself have failed time and time and time again but when we allow that to pull us away from his design and his purpose i promise you it won't lead to life and freedom that is not the purpose of the local church See, yes, there will be church hurt, but there will also be healing in the church. And the same people who invited me into their home are some of the same people who have offended me and hurt me more than anything. I've done 18 years of the church and I've seen the good and the bad. I've seen people in valleys and I've seen people in mountaintops, but I know that God has been faithful through it all and that he uses the local church to actually heal and bring restoration and bring freedom and joy. I don't know about you, but I need freedom and joy. I need other believers in the room that when I am feeling low in faith and when I am feeling like I cannot worship, I need someone to sing like Tezi behind me with a voice so loud that it reminds me of the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. I need different groups of believers and people from different backgrounds and demographics speaking into my life. Why? Because it shows the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And so there's a danger of me-centered Christianity. That actually we just trust for ourselves. That is me and my personal Jesus. And that's never the design of the gospel. There's something greater for each and every one of us. And so there's the danger of me, but there is the power of we. See, God created us to be in relationship with himself and with others. With himself and with others. It says this in Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the overarching truth, and the reason he gives us this command, is that the gospel is not about our comfort, it is about his glory. It's not about us just receiving something on a Sunday and getting to the next Sunday and just trying to make it and living between these two Sundays. No, that's not what the local church is supposed to be like. It's supposed to show His glory. And so our motivation for fellowship is to obey God and to give to others. To obey God and to give to others. To come and to receive of His Word and receive of His goodness and praise Him in worship and then to give to others. That people who are in desperate need in hospitals and our schools and our homes and wherever it may be, that actually we are supposed to show the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ wherever we're at. Why? Because we are the church. And the church is the hope of the world. And the church is a city on a hill and a beacon of hope and restoration. But Jesus takes this group of 12 disciples and he doesn't just spend two hours on a Sunday with them. No, he he spends all three years with them. And they walk with Jesus and they become more like Jesus. And if we just had to take uh, the fact that Jesus maybe spent 12 hours a day with the disciples, over those three years, it would be 13 hours that they spent with Jesus. Two hours on a Sunday just doesn't cut it. Now imagine trying to learn and be like Jesus just with two hours in a week. No, 13 hours of walking with him, walking with their fellow disciples, fighting with one another, Challenging one another not getting on all the time. Why because God takes a group of 12 disciples who come from different backgrounds There's a tax collector and there's a fisherman and there's a zealot who just wants to chop people's ears off And he puts all them together why for the glory of God and for the gospel to be spread That is what he is doing tonight. And so there is power with one another And that phrase one another occurs a hundred times in the Bible a hundred times the phrase one another occurs in the Bible. You can't be one another by yourself. It just doesn't work. One another occurs a hundred times in the Bible, and 59 times there's instructions to believers like us about how to live with one another. And it's written by Jesus, spoken by Jesus, and it's also written by Paul. But one-third of uh, the one another instructions are to love one another. It says this be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another. Don't bite. Don't devour. Don't consume one another. Don't boastfully challenge one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tender hearted, and forgiving one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. I've already failed at point number one. And then the other third is about love. Love one another. Through love, serve one another. Why do we serve on a Sunday? Why? Because we are a hope and a beacon to a world in desperate need of His goodness and His grace. And when believers come together, and maybe we're in our own brokenness, and maybe we just needing someone to come alongside of us, but we choose to serve others just as Christ chose to serve the church and lay down His life for us, and we get to lay down our lives for others. Why? Because I promise you it shows the world something different. That the church is different to the world. The church is the hope of the world. The church is a beacon of restoration, and it starts with us believers. It starts with you, Life changes. Century City, 5 p.m. Are you serving? Are you in a life group? Are you willing to pour out for one another? Are you willing to serve the body of Jesus Christ? Not for your own sake or what you can get from it, but what you can give because Jesus has given everything to you already. And so that's why we say get in a serving team and get in a life group. It's not just because of numbers. No, why? Because there is growth and healing and maturity in those things. That we are becoming more like Jesus. Why? Because it's His design for the church. And so it goes on. Love one another. Tolerate one another in love. Greet one another. Be devoted to one another in love. That word devoted again doesn't mean a once-off thing. It's a present continuous tense, an action that you choose day in and day out to devote yourself to one another. We can't be devoted to one another by ourselves with a laptop just in our room, not wanting to get stuck into people's lives, not wanting to get into the messy and the broken bits because we will get hurt. That's never the design for the local church. They devoted themselves And there's power and there's healing and there were signs and wonders and people were being saved daily. I don't know if they would have been saved daily if those people didn't devote themselves. Each and every day they were being saved, not just on a Sunday. Not just when they gathered together in the temple courts. I believe it was when they did life with one another. When they supported and when they actually sold their possessions for people in need because that shows the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. That shows the power and the potential of the local church. 15% speaks about humility. Give preference to one another in honor. Do not judge one another. Greet one another. Husbands and wives, don't deprive one another of physical intimacy, amen. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't be oughty, be of the same mind of one another. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. I don't know about you, but I could never do all those one another's in one hour on a Sunday. That's not the design, church. It requires us to do life with one another. It requires us to be involved in each other's lives. It requires us to get out of our comfort zones, to put away the hurt, to put away the offense and the bitterness, and to be actively involved in one another's lives, not just for ourselves, so that others can be blessed and find Jesus Christ. It's not just about a Sunday, church. We are called to love one another. We are called to love one another. Thirteen times that instruction is uttered in the Bible, love one another as you love yourselves. We cannot love one another at a distance. We can't love one another with prejudice and bitterness in our hearts. We can't love one another when coming into a building and not forgiving them because they didn't pitch up for serving or because they got our coffee order wrong. We can't love one another when we are carrying uh, burdens and, and guilt and shame and we don't want to bring it to community for fear of being judged. We can't love one another like that. But we can love one another when we experience the grace of Jesus Christ and we pour out the same towards one another. And so, how are you loving one another? How are you loving one another? What are you doing? Are you having people in your home? Because I, I came into this church a broken man and a man with depression and anxiety. And we, it was because of a few people who invited me to their household that I experienced fellowship, that I experienced community, that I experienced love and favor like I had never before. And they just took time to listen to me. They weren't special. They weren't pastors in the life of the church. They were just believers of Jesus Christ. And I have the privilege of sitting with people around my dining room table in different situations and some trusting for kids and not experiencing that gift right now and some trusting for healing and some trusting and navigating situations, whether it's financial or whether it's in their career or in their family. But we do life around the dining room table and we know about each other's lives and we speak into one another's lives and God gets all the glory. We are called to be a one another church there is power in one another see there's the danger of me but there's the power of we we are called to be a church of one another and so maybe think back to that first picture when you stood and you observed one another what did you notice maybe it was a haircut maybe it was what the other person was wearing Maybe you realize that they maybe come from a different demographic or background to you. But my challenge is, will you not just observe one another, but will you be intimately involved in one another's lives? not just standing at a distance and observing what's going on in a person's life but being intimately involved why because Jesus Christ came down and got into the dust and got into the dirt and the brokenness and the mess of our lives and brought healing and freedom and so he's calling us to lay down our lives just as he laid down his life for us and to serve and to bring grace and to bring freedom and to speak life's uh, words of life and truth into situations that desperately need it If it's not you, who is it going to be? It starts with each and every one of us. Will we be a church of one another? And so what if we were one another church? I really believe that if we don't just actually hear the Scripture, but if the Scripture took traction in our hearts, that this church will be the hope of a nation one day that it will change this community of Century City, it will change the city of Cape Town, and it will change the nation of South Africa. Why? Because there is power in the local church. And God brings His manifold wisdom to the world through the local church. And there is healing and restoration on offer. But those aren't the goal. Those aren't the purpose of the local church. The purpose of the local church is to glorify God. And when we have Him at the center and when we are all doing that with one another, together with one another, I promise you it will be a city on a hill and there will be so much hope and restoration to a city in desperate need of it. In boardrooms, there will be words of life and prophecies coming out. In schools, there will be people who believe in Jesus Christ and who support one another, encourage one another to speak boldly and courageously about Jesus Christ and God will get the glory. In homes and family situations, maybe where you've been trusting for a family member to come to salvation for so many years, there will be people around you to remind you of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and He will get the glory. Maybe if you experience sickness and depression or anxiety or whatever it may be, there will be people around you to pray with you, to meet your needs, to support you, to remind you of the healing of Jesus Christ, that He hung on a cross, that He defeated death, He defeated the power of sin, and that is on offer for each and every one of us. Why? Because we are one another. Will we be a one another church? Life Changes Century City 5 p.m. I believe that there's something different about us. I believe that he's wanting to bring healing and restoration in this room right now. Maybe it's of prejudice. Maybe it's of bitterness or hurt that you've carried into this space. Maybe it's because people have let you down. Will you allow God to bring freedom and healing and joy right now? So that we can love one another. So that we can greet one another. So that we can support and pray for one another. Let's be at one another church. Can I ask us to stand to our feet? I think too much of my Christian life, I've settled for something so much smaller than God's design and God's purpose for my life. That I was just content with coming on a Sunday and maybe ticking the boxes of Christianity reading my Bible a few times, having coffee, shooting the breeze with people, but never experiencing the power of Jesus Christ in and through my life because of people. And I had to come to a place where actually I realized that it wasn't about me, it wasn't about my own journey, it's all about Him. And through that I experienced healing and wholeness. And so with every eye closed here tonight, won't you raise your hands to him as a posture of surrender as a posture of trusting in him and him alone that we are the local church that there will be times where we mourn together because there's a loss and there'll be times where we rejoice together because there's freedom and healing and provision that he's calling us to look different to a world. He isn't calling us to settle for isolation. He isn't calling us to settle for smallness. He isn't calling us to settle for anything else but His design and His purpose and His power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and Him going before us and us standing in boldness and in truth for the gospel of Jesus Christ and experiencing healing and freedom and joy. But it all comes from Jesus Christ and it's all unto Jesus Christ and it's all for His name and for His glory. So Lord, I pray that right now you'll bring your Holy Spirit on your people. Right now that there will be power in our midst. Right now there will be just such a sense and a touch of you, Jesus Christ, that you are calling each and every one of us to a purpose and a plan, and that is to glorify you through the local church wherever we may be. Not just on a Sunday, but each and every moment that we are the church, we are your bride, we are your army, Lord and that you are the head of this household, that you will get all the glory, that you are bringing freedom and healing right now, that you are commissioning sons and daughters to stand up in faith right now, that you are giving words of life to people right now, you are giving pictures of hope and restoration right now, that you are bringing healing and freedom in this place right now for your glory, and that we will go out in boldness and in truth declaring the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ wherever we may go. And so Jesus, with outstretched arms, we just say, have your way in our lives. That we don't just want to be Sunday Christians, just getting a topper. But we want to be everyday Christians, trusting and resting in who you are. And that a people like this, a people of one another, will go into a world and will be the hope and the restoration of South Africa. Why? Because they see the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And so God, will you pour out your spirit in this place? Will sons and daughters begin to rise up in faith? Will they choose to take hold of your gospel and choose to take hold of this word? And may they not just be account- encountered by this word, but they may, may they be transformed by this word. And so, Jesus, have your way. Get all the honor. Get all the glory. Get all the praise. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are here in our midst. We thank you that we are your people. That it's not a random act that we are here tonight. It's not by happenstance, but you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. We are your church. We are your church. Lord, may we never settle for anything less. May we never settle for safe, sanitized Christianity ever again. May we embrace the mess and the brokenness and the hurt because we embrace the healing and the freedom and the joy you offer. Lord, we thank you that you are here tonight. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, Lord. And we thank you that you get all the glory. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen and amen.